Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Resellers Mindset Podcast. Mike alongside Johnny, as always. Today's episode is going to be a fun one, and I did give Johnny a basically almost a 24-hour heads up so he could get some ideas behind this one. I never give him a heads up. It's usually he shows up and he's like, what's the topic? And then we just run off. But our biggest pet peeves, I'm going to start out with one real quick first here. And it's resellers that overpackage their orders. And by this, I mean, I got to saran wrap it. I got to put it in tissue paper. And believe it or not, people on eBay and Etsy will send little candies in their packages. I've gotten them from both platforms. eBay, yes, I've received candies when I've ordered something. Etsy, the same thing. <laughs> Why are we sending candies? in our orders so that i'm gonna go just just take one hyperallergenic person to sue you i it (laughs) happens though and i don't understand like the thought process behind of like hey i'm gonna give you a a swedish fish because i think if i give you this fish that you're gonna leave me a review and this review is gonna change my life so i'm gonna throw it over to you and you kind of can go off the rails on your own here on yours or my own your own my own uh, mine is people assuming what kind of reseller I am when I say I sell books. Oh, you sell textbooks? Like, no, I sell books, uh, all kinds of books, textbooks included, but I don't primarily go out and get them. Uh, this happens more in the Amazon crowd than the eBay crowd. Uh, but it does happen in the eBay crowd too. Everybody just assumes I'm a textbook seller because that's what you hear in the news cycle. People don't know. And this is amongst other resellers. They they assume the book guy, he must sell textbooks. And it's like, no, I sell literature, damn it. Not I, skills. I definitely have been uh, called a book dealer. And every single time a lady at the library is like, oh, are you a book dealer? I immediately stop them in their tracks and say, no, uh, I think book dealer. I don't know the term to me. It's just weird. And it's like so Like there's people that consider themselves book dealers. It's all these people that have these dead media businesses that have been, I've been selling books since 1965 and I don't make no money no more because people like you, that's the, that's a book dealer definition in my eyes. Uh, You can take it however you want to take it. If you consider yourself a book dealer today, that's fine. But to me, I hear book dealer. I'm like, nah, and I listen, all the quote unquote book dealers I've come across, right? Oh, he's a dealer at a library sale. They act like fools in library sales. They got no respects for themselves, the people around them, or the books they plan on dealing. So I, I definitely agree with the uh, kind of, I don't know, I guess like stereotypes. And I guess reselling stereotypes would be like a pet peeve, right? Like I say it all the time. People just think I'm unemployed. Holy, what are you doing? What are you doing, Michael? My son, what are you doing with your life? I'm like, I resell. Oh, you're unemployed? Yeah, sure. Whatever you want to whatever you want to tell yourself about it. So like, yeah, I think stereotypes are definitely a pet peeve that we all kind of run into, regardless of like, I mean, I guess like imagine if you sold like sneakers or like used clothes, right? It's like, 
Oh, you sell stinky shoes all day, dude. You ain't making no money doing that. And like, there's people. I don't that have... know if the shoe seller, so you're selling Nikes, huh? No, <laughs> I don't do that. Oh man, uh, what else you got for for pet peeves? Um, people failing before they they don't have the capacity to I don't know take out their cell phone or flip open their laptop or tablet and Google their question before asking me a very simple question like. I don't know. Let me Google that for you. I'm I'm not your human Google machine. That is a thin line. Uh, you have to walk, right? Like we have these weekly coaching calls. You have your monthly eBay coaching call, right? And like, I mean, the easy answer would just be copy paste. Uh, go Google it, right? I mean, Google's got the answer to everything. But uh, in, in certain situations, and I do think you know some. <laughs> They say what? No question's a dumb question, right? Now, especially when it comes to reselling. Lazy question, though. Lazy question. That's a good way to word it. There's lots of lazy questions. Um, I run into this often. You know, do you have a video on, you know, setting up your triggers? Do you have a video on doing a removal quest on Amazon? And like, they're all right on my channel. If you would have took two seconds to actually look, you would see that it's actually there. So, yeah, that's definitely one for me. I think another one, a big pet peeve I have is people start like a new reseller starts today and they want the results of somebody like me or you like overnight or within like a week or two weeks. Like people can't see the play of building a business long term. It's like, well, I need this now. And if you don't get that instant gratification, like you wind up giving up before you even giving it a real shot. Now. Person I'm about to mention, you're forgiven and did nothing wrong here. But we had a person in Discord ask, hey, that tutorial you mentioned in the tech video about how you help that bookseller, how about you give one to us? And I'm like, um, maybe, but here's your short list of things to help you right now, I suppose. Because this is what they were wanting. They wanted immediate results. Because that success story I gave was uh, pretty much a couple weeks success. But I, I had known this girl and given her information about books over a course of a year in those calls, I just pushed her a little bit more to, hey, everything we've been talking about, go do that. Here's your Cliff Notes version. So them asking me to do that, that I don't think they understood the length of time. It wasn't mentioned in the podcast because she already had some book knowledge. She was just continuing to make the same mistakes. And then I just gave her a shove to, hey, path over here. Stop going down this other path. I um I got an Amazon selling pet peeve specific to Amazon. People that condition their used items, I I don't even know why. I, you don't even need condition notes on Amazon. Just list it at good and forget about it. I don't know why people still try to hang on to, I'm going to list it very good or like new. You know what that tells me when you're sitting here playing this game of choosing the condition of each and every book that tells me you ain't sending enough in because guess what? If you had 300 items to send in and you had five different condition piles and you had to sit there and choose what condition is, what book, what CD, what DVD, you would stop doing it after you wouldn't even make it through the first day of doing it. You would be like, I'm done with this. I'm, everything's just going to be good. There's no blue. There's no even argument against me. Like, that's the thing. People still do it. Like, what's the argument against me saying list everything good? You're not getting more. Amazon's not giving you the buy box because you're very good. 
they're going to give it to the good if it's a better price. There's no argument against this, but yet people still do it. And it drives me nuts. I'm like, just stop with the nonsense. Like, this isn't feasible. If you're sending in a box a week, you're still wasting so much time. If you just took that time conditioning your items for no good reason and source more items, your results would probably compound a lot faster. I don't know. It just drives me nuts when it comes to conditioning used items on Amazon. Right. I mean, it could be an argument for stop buying library books because you're going to have to re-sticker them or take the stickers off. I, I wouldn't take the stickers off the libraries. But anyway, um, to get cleaner books, right, or better conditioned books. So I also have to, on a library sale, I have to look through them to make sure there's no highlighting or underlining, too, um, excessively. So, I mean, there's arguments on both sides of the fence there, but I just think people... I think people just need to put more thought before they act, do, or ask a question. Um, just pause. Instead of having this harebrained, got to get it out now, got to do something right now. Now, there is something for just act instead of get lost in, I don't know, over planning, I guess, and getting it all fine combed out. But I don't know. I, I just think people need to take a minute, breathe, think about it, and then go on. Pet peeves, people that don't, they'll ask a question and they don't want to like, they'll listen to your answer and you can have like, you know, a long list of like, well, here's why I do it. And then like, they don't even like acknowledge or make Doesn't any register. changes. Oh. It's like, hey, Johnny, what should I do with the, with my eBay business? Here's what I got going on. Johnny types up like a 10,000 word essay, right? Sends it to me. And then. I see he sends me a 10,000 10, word essay and I'm just like, thanks, <laughs> thanks. And then, and, nothing, and then a week goes by and nothing happens. I think it's because it's so accessible now, right? Anybody can message me. Anybody can message you. Anybody can message any of these huge resellers with the dumbest question there possibly could be. And you're going to get an answer. So I think it, it's, it really depends where you're at on, on the totem pole of, you're out there trying to help people. Maybe you're doing YouTube. Maybe you're doing social media. It's all a balancing act. And that's what I always say. Everybody out there that doesn't have a YouTube channel, isn't recording an, an, an hour-long podcast every single week, you should have the uh, a level up on me and Johnny because we have other things we're spending our time on, right? That would be the common sense thing. But that's usually not the case. We are you know, involved in this, but we also have our business that we treat like a business so we can level that up. And I think that that takes me to the next pet peeve is you're a reseller. You have a business. You are a small business and you just don't treat it like a business. It's just kind of funsy times. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with hobby sellers. But if we had to categorize resellers, how many people would be categorized as a hobby seller that would actually admit they're a hobby seller? I mean, it's probably a little tiny bit. There's a few hobby sellers out there. But nobody's going to admit to it because nobody wants to be like, oh, I'm not a hobby seller. I do this part time. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't know. And then there's the hobby sellers who like to. I think that the Instagram crowd, they like to do the flash and talk about their big wins, but they only get a win. I'm not really. I like a win, too. Like it's something expensive sells. Yay. But I'm I'm more concerned about consistency in my business it's it, every day is a win not a solo item is my win for the month kind of deal i don't care about the solo item i care about all my little items adding up to a bigger amount than this one item over here 
Um, but no, uh, people talk about grails and big wins or home runs. These are great. These are excellent things to happen. But if it's all you talk about for a whole month, I think you need to reexamine your business. I got one of one of my biggest pet peeves I'm about to unleash right now. People that stalk their packages after they ship them to see where they're going, what times they're leaving, what time did it leave Harrisburg? What time did it make it to Lancaster? What time did it leave Pennsylvania? Why is it sitting at Amazon? Why hasn't it been checked in at Amazon? What's going on? Oh my God, it'll drive you nuts. Even when I started JB in full transparency, I shipped the box to Amazon. It gets there when it gets there. It gets checked in. I don't know what it is. A lot of new people, especially new people that start selling on Amazon, it's like, oh, it's been sitting there for three days. What's going on? It's been sitting there for a week. What's going on? Like, it's crazy. Just forget about it. There's nothing you can do, right? Me and you can call up to, hey, yo, Jeff, what's going on? Like, uh, why is my box sitting out in your truck? Like, it's out of your control at that point. And I don't know, man, it just drives. <laughs> That's like one of my biggest pet peeves. Like, I shipped an order or uh <laughs> one week at all the time uh this this address ebay wants me to ship to seems like it's fishy or it's some kind of scam and i don't know if i should ship this order oh my god dude oh man or or the ebay one of oh they got zero review feedback <laughs> zero feedback dude if it's zero feedback guess what we ain't selling it to you. Even if you pay a thousand dollars and it clears, <laughs> we ain't sending it. I gotta call eBay twenty five times. Hey, can you call this zero feedback seller? See if he's actually a human. If he's living on planet Earth, it just means they've never been on the eBay platform before. More than likely, I I've sold a lot of items. Probably more. Well, I've sold a lot by our group standards i'm not going to say i've sold the most in our group as far as ebay goes but i've never been scammed it's never happened to me in my whole book selling career on ebay i'm not saying i'm lucky or anything i just don't think it's common practice but we see the zero feedback thing pop up like every week or so it's like why are you worried about that why are you worried about this nonsense if i will say this if i'm shopping around like when before deb bought her new uh, industrial embroidery machine. I was looking on eBay to see prices and everything. Now, if we're going to spend seven grand um, and the seller has zero feedback and like, I don't know, like that kind of does like kind of put me off a little bit. If the seller has zero feedback and I'm going to spend $7,000, right? Like I'm not yeah. talking about, you know, a $5 item that somebody bought here. Um, so that kind of does make me a little bit weary. But when it comes to buyer feedback, like the money's paid, like you're protected by eBay, you ship the item, it gets delivered, like you have protections in place. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's just one of those little weird nitpicky things resellers get caught up on, like zero feedback. They bought something from me. Well, make sure you leave them with feedback. So the next bozo reseller will be like, oh, they got one feedback. So I'm fine shipping it to them. So you don't create this never ending cycle of this poor soul has been stuck at zero feedback i've been shopping on ebay for 30 years and nobody's ever left me a single feedback and everybody thinks i'm a scammer <laughs> so, so so check this out i would never do this but i see you want to buy this 800 book customer can we start you off with a smaller purchase say 25 until you get your feedback a bit up and then i'll sell you this 800 item 
You got to earn it, my friend, by money and my reviews to you. Uh, no, I would never do that. I'd take the money and reinvest it. If they ask for a refund or a return, that's just the cost of doing business. Now, if you're the hobbyist seller and you only got the one 800 item, okay, you can stay your hobbyist and you can hassle all the zero review new to eBay customers all you want. I got, I'm going to fix this right here, right now, right? So if the eBay executives are listening, um, when somebody buys an item, the feedback attached to their account shouldn't be from them selling. The feedback should only be shown. If somebody's selling stuff on the platform, you see their feedback. If somebody buys something like Amazon, it just says Johnny B or you know whatever your username is, bought this item. There's no feedback. Either way, it doesn't matter what the feedback is, right? If eBay is going to get rid of a, a bad buyer or scammer, they're going to get rid of them regardless, one way or another. So the fact that it's almost like this extra like hesitancy like to oh maybe i shouldn't sell it to this person there shouldn't be feedback when a buyer buys something from you it should just show their username and that's it and boom it's all fixed right there but if you're selling you still have the feedback from selling items now the only scenario where it has a little bit of legitimacy is pending payments i've had a couple people where i look at their feedback who haven't paid in like i don't know two weeks i'm like why is it taking you so long my man it was a ten dollar item Look at their feedback, and it's all from sellers. It's all positive feedback, right? Because that's that's only what you can do. It's all yeah. positive. But all the comments say, hasn't paid, hasn't paid, hasn't paid. I'm like, okay, he's not going to pay. I'll just wait it out because um, the item will relist after a certain period of time, and that's okay. That's the only indicator of, like, where's my money, question mark, go check it. Oh, I'm not going to get money for this. That's fine. I don't even know. I shouldn't even waste my time bothering because it's going to do it automatically. I shouldn't waste my time doing that. I have never looked up a single address on eBay or Amazon from somebody that's bought something from me to see if it's a scam address, right? I don't even know. You go to Google and type in, is this address real? Does this address exist? Like, I don't I don't want no parts of it, honestly. And I think that's why I kind of get away the way I do. It's like, I don't do all this nonsensical pet peeves you know, I don't got to go to the store and buy my, you know, little strawberry candies to put in the package in. Maybe you should start putting candies in with your books. Won't be media mail at that point. Can't do it. <laughs> so here, here's another one. Buyer return. Um, now, this was the book. It's a very small book, as you can see, but it's an actual book. Had a return. <laughs> This is funny. They're like, I thought it was an actual book. I'm like, what do you mean? It is an actual book. Like, no, it's small. I'm like, books can be small. They're like, you should have taken a tape measure out and measured it. I'm like, um, I'm not doing that for every book. Not happening. No. Now I get it. I looked at the photos. And even though there were photos like this, you can see how thick it is. If you're looking at it, it does look like a regular book, so I'll give this one to the customer. And it had me think, maybe I should. And then I said, no, Johnny, don't do it. Don't, 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 don't put in the dimensions and the listings. You'll, you'll waste so much time. Because I only had this happen once. And I saw a ton of small books, by the way. But I'm going to agree with the customer on this. And they had no idea what size book they were getting, to be fair. So I am being fair. But I'm still saying it's still a book at the end of the day. Uh the the last controversial pet peeve we're going to cover before we switch over to the members part of this podcast 
you kind of just hit it on the head is refunds, returns. There is nothing you can do to stop refunds and returns. It doesn't matter how many photos you take. It doesn't matter if you're selling new, used, any condition. These things are going to happen. Returns are a cost of doing business. But, I mean, it's controversial to say because a lot of people get, a lot of resellers get bent out of shape on returns. I think it's like probably the biggest, people get pissed off about returns more than anything else. Yeah. I don't care. It's going to go back into inventory. It's going to get relisted. But these people get nuts, man. Like these resellers don't want to give up their $5 or $10 they made off the item. And it's just like, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? Fight the person? Like, what are you going to do? Contact eBay and say, oh, but they said item not described, but it was as described. The platforms have to protect their customers. At the end of the day, if they decided to not refund customers, people, you know, all the crybabies out there saying eBay's a, a dying platform, there wouldn't be nobody to shop on eBay. It's funny how the people say that eBay is going downhill are the same people that don't want to allow refunds for anything. I mean, you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to go one way or the other here. I think it should be like Amazon, honestly. I think eBay should be like Amazon. Returns are accepted for everything. And if, correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm not that deep into eBay, but even if you have no returns, you still can get returns. Yeah, totally can. I don't get it, man. I don't understand. What, what's the big deal about what's like, what's your take on people that get bent out of shape over refunds? I mean, it sucks. No one likes a return, sure, or a refund. I mean, sometimes I'm like, dude, don't don't even bother getting out the prepaid mailing label. Just keep the item. Just keep it. I don't want it back in my store because some of my things I sell and I may get a return on, I'm like, I don't want it back. I don't want to relist it. Um, it's yours now. It's my gift to you. Uh, Mr. Customer, and here's your money in addition. Um, and, and and like for damage stuff, I just have to do that automatically. I don't want a damage book back. It doesn't happen. I don't get very many returns in media or books in media. Um, occasionally accidents happen, postal worker damages, or like this one, buyer expectation wasn't quote unquote met. Didn't leave me a negative feedback. I gave him his money. He gave me my book back. Um, I'm still going to relist it, but I'm probably going to up the price even. So um, I, it's uh. With me, I was the same way. When I used to do eBay heavily, if I would get a return, I would just tell them to keep it, right? We have our o our ROI is so high, right? Like, and, and oh, somebody out there right now, well, I sold a $100 item. Okay, there are situations where to get it back. But like, I used to sell a lot of VCRs and things like that. And I made, those things would get beat up in transit all the time. I'd have to refund it. I would tell them, just keep it. You know, uh, you can throw it out. Don't worry about sending it back. Full refund. I'm not even, you know, I'm not deducting anything from these people. I think we get so caught up and I think as resellers, we mismanage our money so much that if they refund something and that $20 has to come out of our account, we ain't got the $20 to cover it. And I think that's why a lot of people get bent out of shape because it's like, we don't have no cushion in our business. We don't have a, a basically a slush fund of money that's always there. And a lot of people listen to this will say, oh, no, no, that's not the case. But I'm here to tell you, there are a lot of sellers that when that money clears on eBay, before that item even gets to the customer, they spent that $20. So if they get a refund, all of a sudden that $20 is now coming out of their actual bank account because 
They spent that $20 that went into their business bank account before the item even got to the customer. Rather yet, the 30 days that they could possibly return something or 60 days or 90 days. I mean, it's crazy to me. Now, I would love on the enterprise store level, which I think is like $1,000 a month on eBay or something, maybe more. I would love for the eBay just to take the reins on all returns. They get the item. They inspect the item. They make sure the claim is legitimate and take all that customer service away from me other than me mailing the item back once they're done handling those cases. I would I would really pull the trigger on buying that if that if they did that for me. That would make it worth it to me. Um, because as, as you go up in the reselling game, returns are just going to be a common thing because your store is going to grow. So more incidents will happen. That's just cause and effect. Now, you can keep your store slim and make a lot of money, sure. Uh, but that's not a game I'm playing. Um, I, I'm going to have a big store. I'm, I I store books and I sell books. Um, so on returns, though, um, just as an FYI, you should actually most of the time, there are exceptions to this rule, wait for the item to be back in your possession to refund the money. Um, because if you issue the refund, they don't ha technically they don't have to ship your item back, but you can wait it out. And sometimes I've had a lot of return requests where the customer doesn't mail the item back, and I get to keep my money. Uh, that that's the reason. You, in most cases, you should wait because a lot of people are lazy. Um, they don't print out the label and hike down to the post office to do the return. So if you wait them out, um. Well, you may get to keep your money. Now, if the thing's damaged because of the postal worker, I'll just refund right away. I don't care. I mean, like, keep the item. I don't want the re-damaged book back because I can't use my same listing in that case. And if it was, like, more than a two-button click for a return, not doing it. See, dude, the problem here, though, right, you just made it sound so simple. You made it – you put it in the simplest terms of wait to get the item back. But yeah. the reality, I'm here to tell you, is that, okay – I'm pissed off. You want you want to return your $20 book, right? Okay, send it back to me. I, I don't understand why this person's upset. So I'm already pissed off because now I'm out $20, right? So uh, the refund, now what they do every day, Johnny, they go on to their eBay account and they click on the return every day to see where that return package is and when they can expect to get it back. And if the customer is going to send it back at two days past, the customer hasn't taken it to the post office yet. Now, all of a sudden, what's going on? This stupid little return turns into five to 10 to 20 hours of you getting nuts over it. It's crazy to me. I get a text message when the post office drops off my returns. I don't even bother checking. It's it's it works the way you said it works. If you are capable of not, I guess, micromanaging like. OCD tracking, like it's fine if you take return. And there are situations I had one recently on Amazon selling candy bars, due date my candy bar and wanted a refund. And I said, well, send it back, right? Uh, and but of I course, <laughs> you can't send it back, right? If you ate the candy bar, what he sends back, you don't want. <laughs> so there are, there are situations where, uh, that the pet peeving of returns, like, it's a case-by-case -case basis, but you can't just be the person that's like, 
oh my god every return is a scam and i think that's what it is like every return is some kind of scam johnny like oh that they're this book this is not a book like who cares you're just going to relist it anyway it's uh it's, it's pretty silly and dude this is a true story man i got the messages <laughs> i ate the candy bar and this was i overpaid for this candy bar it was not good i want a refund and i said no you can't have a refund i said if you want a refund I, I have a whole little message from Amazon that I send to people, you know, send it back. You'll get a full refund as long as the product's in its original, you know, state. And uh, they they open an, another weird, like, return thing. Like, I was overcharged for my item. And, like, even that, like, it was just a message and you just close it out. But, yeah, people eat your candy bars and want to return them. I could have went in and I could have approved the candy bar return without getting it back, right? Like we were talking about, you don't got to send it back. Just keep it, you know. Maybe, sure, maybe I've been, you know, scammed a few times where somebody's like, well, I'm just going to say this doesn't work to see if they're going to refund me without me sending it back. And yes, those people exist. But I try to think the opposite side of the fence, like people aren't always out there to get you, right? Like not everybody's out there trying to steal an extra five bucks out of Johnny's pocket, right? He doesn't have like 50,000 security cameras at his bookshop, he probably would welcome somebody to come in and fill up a few bags of books at night and get them out of his warehouse for him. Like yeah. not, not everybody's out to get you. And I think of resellers, it's like, man, every little penny, like, Oh, someone's going to try to take advantage of me. And it's just like, no, some, most people are decent people. Yeah. There's bad apples of the bunch, but I mean, it, it is what it is. Oh, and here's another one. People use the block thing, the, the, the block buyers. I'm like, why? I, I don't I, even know how to do it. <laughs> I want, want their money. Um, if they had a bad experience, whether it's my fault or not, whatever, I'm still going to collect their money. Now, if they're just like, I don't know, reading it, returning it, reading it, returning it, reading it, returning it. I mean, yeah, maybe I, I've never had this happen, though. I've never had this happen. I, I, You know how many people are on my block list? Zero. There are but people out like, there. I blocked this guy for that. Oh, this guy had zero feedback. I blocked him for that. Oh, this guy did one return with me. It was the post office's fault. But I'm going to block them and never take their money. No, I want all their money. Give can, me your money. Can we get like the block, like blocked people, like data from eBay, right? Like how many, like how many people are blocked on eBay, like across accounts? And like, what's the like highest amount of people, like one one seller has blocked, right? It's probably like 50,000 people, right? Some of these people are nuts with this stuff. Blocked every customer that bought something for me. I'm just, I don't even know how to do it. I honestly, I have no idea how to block somebody. Um, it is what it is, honestly, at the end of the day. So those were our pet peeves. We appreciate you all listening to today's episode and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.